Youth, you guys are awesome. That was a little weak. We can do it better. Okay, the rest of you, good morning. Everybody? Amina, that was really weak. Grace Church of the Valley. Well, what a joy it is to be with you. I'm Shannon Hurley and my wife, Danielle. Here she is. Honey, wave even though. So that one cute girl that was like right up here, they're all very attractive, but that one in particular was, was really, that's my wife and my daughter, Emma. We have five more kids in Uganda, so you can be praying for them. I don't know what they're doing, but, uh, but man, it is so good to be with the Grace Church of the Valley family, and we feel at home when we're with you. Uh, I, the problem is this is like a swing-through trip. We plan on doing a furlough later on where we get to hang out with all of you guys and, and just hang out with our brothers and sisters here in Grace Church of the Valley. But this is kind of like, hello, goodbye. You know, so uh, please forgive us for that. That's not our style, but, uh, it, but you just do with the little time that you have. And so we, I did a missions conference in Alabama and have just decided to swing through here. But I am so happy to be with you. And, you know, I've heard about Duck Dynasty, and I never knew that they were part of your church. Like, I knew Blake, Blake Boyce, but I didn't know that he was, who are those guys called? I don't, but anyhow, Blake, that beard is awesome. If I could grow a beard like that, I mean, I would, even though mine's gray at this point, I would have it. But, man, I tell you, now I know why you married him. Uh, no. <clears throat> The good thing is I've known Blake for a long time now, and, uh, and I know that you guys have the real deal. I have the greatest admiration and affection for Blake, and just a servant, just an incredible servant, and, uh, and so it's a joy that he is here, and we get to continue on in our fellowship together. I want to thank you guys as a church. Uh, we feel honored to be part of Grace Church of the Valley, and, uh, and you guys have played such a major role in and, and supporting us as a church. You guys have been supporting us every month for several years now before Scotty was even here. And, uh, and so it, it's just a joy. And I just want to let you know that you guys have made a significant impact on our ministry. We would not be where we are today without you. And, uh, and so we really praise the Lord for your faithful support. And, and many of you know who you are, and I, I don't think you want me to bring out that person, even though I would, if I did, I'd probably start crying and not get anywhere on my message because of the unbelievable love we've received from you people. I'm going to clap for you because uh, I'm just appreciative, and uh, you guys are awesome. We loved having uh, my friends here this summer, Nico and Ty and, and all the boys, and uh, led by my dear friend and, and so we're excited. How many of you guys are coming to Uganda next year? How many of you guys love African kids? Okay, good. That's how many are coming next year. So awesome. We want you to come. You guys, come and see. It's one thing to have missionaries, but today we live in a day where you cannot just support a missionary by giving to your offering, but you can go and be part of the ministry of the mission that your church is about. I mean, how awesome is that? And we want to feel that. When we come here, we want to be hugged and tackled by you guys. We want you guys to pull us so that we, we feel like we got to visit every one of you. But we want you to come and be a part of our mission. Not just give to. We want you to be a part of it. But we do want you to give. And we need you to give. I'm as one missionary, support myself, and I support the whole mission that we do. And I won't take the time to explain our mission today, but we need people to come on and help us on a monthly basis. And, and you will be part of our ministry when, it, when, when you start participating, whether you're praying for us fervently or you're giving. We ask that you consider even these kids. You see all those kids. We have 250 kids in our primary school up through third grade. Next year, we add a fourth grade. And so we'll add another 50 kids. So we'll be up to 300 kids. You can sponsor a child even through our website. And so please, I, would, I wouldn't serve my people well enough if I didn't ask you to participate in such ways. What a joy it is for me to see my own daughter up here. My daughter is at the college, but uh, I just want my daughter to know how proud I am of her as her daddy. 
and, uh, and what a joy it is to be her dad. And so I rejoice. You know, there's some kids that you, you know, are a result of just knowing your wife and being loving her. And there's other children that are chosen. And, uh, and I tell you, you don't know the gifts that God has you for you in life, but you just rejoice when you see them. To see my daughter up here proclaim the excellencies of Christ is awesome. And I would just tell you, men and women here, adoption is important. And I don't, I don't know how you can do it, but I think that as a church community, we should consider such things. You know, I always thought, man, it's kind of crazy to bring another soul in the world. That soul either goes to heaven or hell. I'd rather, instead of bringing one into the world, I would rather take one that's already here, that's going and not knowing where they're going, and help them to come to know Christ. Amen? And so I would compel you to that end. Well, there is so much that I want to say, and I, I, I've chosen to preach on the subject of trusting God. I want you, by way of introduction, to open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. And I want to just read a very familiar passage to you. We have spent ten and a half years in Uganda, and I would tell someone that eight and a half years of that time there has been one trial after the next, one painful circumstance after the next. And I can tell you, the last two and a year, a half years, have been just the sweet fruit of all of that pain that we went through. And I can tell you, at the end of it, that God is glorious. And, and he's so good, and, I, and he brings all things together for his good. And really, tonight, today's message is a reflection of those years. But here's a passage, Philippians 3, 5 through 6, which says what? Trust in the... All right, we're going to have to turn this place a little African, Scotty. It's become too white in this room. Let me let me help you. I say that I that we lo- are to love the Lord with. Now we got to say it with a little. Okay, we love the Lord with all our hearts. You know, it does something. It helps you stay awake, and it helps me ex- make, know that you are awake. And so, please interact with me. And it makes me feel like I'm in Africa, and uh, and it makes me preach better. So. Come along with me, hang out, let's have fun together. But he says here in, in, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that we're to trust in the We're to trust in the Lord. And we're to do that, hold on, let me get there, with what? With all our hearts. And we're not to lean on our own, but rather in all our ways. We are to acknowledge In all our ways, we are to acknowledge him, and he will make our paths straight. This is a burning reality on my heart. I believe when we trust God, he will make our paths straight. We, every year in Uganda, we have these series called the Elder Series. We do it two times a year. And that's where I let my elders preach so that they, they are pastors, right? So we want them to preach and visibly show their giftedness to the congregation and give the preacher a little bit of a break. And right now we're doing an Elder Series. And uh, I got to kick off the Elder Series and then bail out of there and, uh, and leave them to figure out how they... They land the ship, but anyhow, hopefully they do a good job. But I, and then I came here. But the last message, I, so I preach an opening message of talking about the blessings of trusting God. And my daughter came to me at the end of the day and says, Dad, you have motivated us to trust God, but how do we do this practically, was her question. And I love my girls and, uh, and, and, and so I, I, this message came out of an attempt to help them see this practically. I think for many of us, we talk of trusting God, but we don't even know necessarily what it means. What does it mean to trust God? That's what I want to spend our time doing. Now, in saying this, 
what I want to do is I want to first apologize ahead of time. I am giving this message to you as if you were in my church and I got to feed you every single week. And this is a very odd message because it is not straight out exposition. In many ways, it is the fruit of years of exposition, years of trial, and, and, year, and, and reading different things. And we come together, and I've put it together in a definition. And what I want to do for you is explain the definition. Now, I apologize that it's not pure exposition, but what I want to do and what my attempt is this morning Though it's not exposition, I want to take you in your circumstance right here where you are, and I want to bring you above your circumstance. And I want you to see this circumstance from the throne room of God. I want you to take whatever it would be in your life and and take it and look at it differently, and that's my attempt. And I want to saturate you with the truths about our God that you would ride out of here with the sweet resting in his presence. I know, as a church body, you are going through a trial. And I pray that all of you are in that trial together with Josh and his family. I don't know them, but I know that I would not want to be them as they watch their son in the hospital. I know that if I were them, there would be much hurt. And and we are to hurt with those who what? Hurt. And we're to rejoice with those who? And so with that, we as a church family, and me part of your family, we mourn with them. But this provides a wonderful opportunity for us to reflect on what it is to trust God. And so I, I believe that God would have us hear this message this morning. So what I want to do is I want to, again, I want to read my definition, and then I want to explain it by cutting it up into seven pieces. So what's going to happen is the, the definition will come here, and I believe write this down, put it in your Bible, and when you find yourself going through trials, you can refer back to it, and I think it will uplift your heart. The definition I'm going to provide for you is this. Are you ready for it? And you don't have to write it all down, but I'm going to read it for you, and then I'll explain it line by line. Are we together? All right. Woo! Some people think, am I crazier than Scotty? (laughs) He's like, yeah. I'm just a younger version of Scotty. Maybe that's how we do it. Trusting God is. A spirit-empowered action whereby we choose, listen, we choose to walk resting in the promises, precepts, and person of our loving, sovereign, all-wise, and powerful Lord Jesus Christ. Whether or not we can feel his presence, understand his ways, or agree with his perspective both in times of blessing or adversity, in major or minor circumstances, because we believe he does all things for our good and his glory. Here's the definition. I want to show you and break this up into seven different components of which I want to draw your attention to. Let's look at the first component together. But before we do that, let me pray. Father, you are the glorious God, and we live in this world unmindful of the reality that there is more to life than our world. And Lord, really, that you are on a throne over this world, and you are orchestrating all the affairs of life. And that your word cries out that you are in control, and that you love us from that glorious throne and that you have affection, and that you care for us. And Lord, I pray, as I just some sinner who's been redeemed and your spirit is indwelling in, seeks to open up your word, I pray that your spirit would draw their hearts and affections around your truth, and they would run out of here knowing that they are safe in the arms of their loving Savior. Father, thank you 
that you love us. Thank you that we can rest in you. And by your grace, be with us this morning, we pray. Amen. Amen? First part of this definition, and again, the goal was to define it for my villagers. Understand, when I got into my village, they didn't know who Noah was. (laughs) You know, so uh, we came into a village that didn't know Christ at all. And as a result, God in his grace has brought a mass saving among our people who are now seeking to learn how to walk in their newfound faith. And so a definition is fitting for my people, and I think fitting for all of us. The first aspect, the first part of trusting God, I say, is a spirit-empowered action. Is a spirit-empowered what? Action. The first aspect brings out the fact that this is a work that cannot be done apart from God. It cannot be done apart from His gracious work in the heart of every one of us. We say, Shannon, I want to trust God. I want to trust God. We'll understand first and foremost that this is a work of God. This is a work that He does in our hearts. This is not a work of man, but a work of his fingertips alive within us. A work as a result of his spirit indwelling within our presence. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Moses could on his own believe that God would part the Red Sea? Huh? No. No way. Do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego on their own would believe that when they bowed the knee, they did not bow the knee to Nebuchadnezzar that they would be delivered from the fiery furnace? There's no way. Did you, do you think that Daniel on his own could sit and pray and trust that God was going to deliver him from lions? Do you think he could do that on his own? Absolutely no way. Do you think Gideon on his own could actually believe that his 300 men could deliver an army of a hundred thousands? Answer, no way. No way. No way. These were acts of God, the sovereign God in the heart of feeble humanity. These are acts of God. Men who trust God, who live putting their eyes and their faith on God are people who are empowered by God. My living in Uganda is not a testimony of my greatness, but a testimony of God's greatness in working through me. This is what gives us power. This is what gives us strength. This is what gives us victory. It is God in us that is our hope of glory. He is where our hope comes from. And apart from Him, we can do nothing. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. Yes, though, through Him, though, residing within us, all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26. Understand that living a life of faith, whereby we walk trusting in God, and thus results uh, the fruits of peace, Hope, strength, straight paths, and prosperity and blessing, that's all a result of God. And listen, the Bible says you have two choices in your life. You can trust yourself or other things, or you can trust in your God. But when we trust in our God, perfect peace results, Isaiah 26, 3. Hope results, Jeremiah 39, 18. We have straight paths, Proverbs 3, 5, and 10. When we trust Him with all our hearts, leaning not on our own understanding, in all our days we acknowledge Him in what? He will make our? That's the result. We have prosperity, Psalms 28, 25, and blessing, Psalm 40, verse 4. The first message we gave in our church, we came to realize that who would not trust the sovereign God? And to lean not on, to lean on it, ourselves or anything here is stupid and always results in painful ends but no matter what the circumstances to rest in him will always result in peace patience hope prosperity straight paths 
and blessing. According to the Bible, loving kindness will surround us when we trust in Him. Psalm 32.10 It is not possible, my friends, to trust in God apart from being born of God. Because faith and trust is a work of God. That is why and how we live differently. That's how we can follow God because God enables us to trust in Him. It enables us to choose to walk in His ways instead of following the crowds. That's how these young people can love Jesus with all their hearts, not caring about what their friends say because God is in them enabling them. That's how you men can stand in this corrupt society and you can faithfully honor God in your work because God is at work in you take heart my friends God is in us this does not mean that trusting God is not hard it just means that God can and will help us even though it is hard And I know the situation of Josh, it doesn't make it easy. But listen, God is in you. God is in you. God is in you. And he will what? Help you. Amen? Take heart, my dear friends. God does not just call us to trust him, but he allows or he gives us the power to trust him if we are born of him. Looking forward at a problem, we can be afraid. But when we trust him, when we look back at that problem, we will always be amazed. Because God who calls us to trust him will strengthen us to trust him. One hymn captures it this way by saying, Thou wilt keep us in perfect peace, whose hearts are what? are stayed on thee, whose minds are stayed on thee. When shadows come and darkness falls, he gives us inward peace. Oh, he is the only perfect resting place. He gives us perfect peace. What does he do? He gives us perfect peace. Though we give him perfect peace, whose minds are stayed on thee. Let me share with you a second aspect of what it is to trust God. A second aspect, and I love this, and I want us to understand this very clearly. Trusting God is a work of God whereby we choose to walk, what? Everybody, we choose to walk, what? Resting. Walk resting. I've put these two verbs together that sound contradictory. We walk and we rest. You say, how in the world can you do both of these? These are our responsibilities. We are to walk, but we are to rest. We walk and we rest. You say, how is this possible? Well, it's a work of God. God enables us to both walk and to rest. Well, when we say we walk, that is we don't sit around. We don't expect God to do all of the work. We what? Act. We play a part. We have an action. We have a responsibility. Let me ask you a question. What miracle in the Bible is done without actions of faith? Elijah had to build an altar when he was facing the other prophets. It wasn't just he just God just zapped from heaven an altar had to be built and he had to sit there and wait and pour water on it right and trust that God was going to move David had to get a had to get a swing a rock Abraham had to move to the promised land Moses had to tap the rock Paul had to preach a message What do we mean by walking What we mean is God calls us to do something. He calls us to obey his word. We don't just sit around 
and wait for God to provide a job. We go out and we look for a job. You can't just sit around and and pray and just trust God's going to give a job. Yes, he can do that, but he calls us to walk in obedience and to not be lazy, but to obey his word and, and, and fulfill what God has called us to do in his word. We don't just pray for our families to get saved. We know that God has called us to preach the gospel to our families. We don't just pray that our marriages will be restored. We love our spouses and we submit under our spouses. Amen? We have a responsibility. Obey God in what he has called us to do. We are to walk. We are to walk. We need to work. We need to do something. We need to sweat. But as we work, we are to rest. As we walk, we are to rest. In Uganda, if someone's sick, they'll sit around and they'll just start praying, but they don't take them where? To a hospital. Well, that wouldn't be wise. They need to walk and they need to rest. They need to rest not on themselves, but they need to rest in their God. They need to rest in their creator. They need to rest in their sustainer, their rock, their refuge, their sword. I'm sorry, their shield, their strong tower, their deliverer, their fortress, their savior, their provider. They need to rest in their strength. This is what God says about himself. He wants us to know how great he is. That those and all people would learn to rest in who he is. We rest in him to move and to work as we walk and move. What do you mean rest? I mean we trust in God who gives us strength. We trust God to move in the hearts of people. We trust God to bring about his perfect and glorious and results your friends listen it is not good enough for people to say god will provide a job and they have no no plan of getting one it is not good enough when men pray for their husbands will change and they do not submit underneath them it's not good enough to pray for reconciliation and we don't seek forgiveness god typically does not work in this way. He can by his grace. But typically we need to walk and, but as we walk, we rest. My friends, listen, as we walk, we what? Rest. We rest. In our society, resting might be the harder part. In the African society, walking might be the harder part. But we do them both. We walk and carry out all that God has commanded us in this word. And then we rest in him for the results. The hymn writer had it right when he said these words, we are to trust and obey. We are to trust and obey. If you're seeking God's will, what does the word of God call you to do? Walk in obedience as you rest in him. There's a third aspect to this definition that I want us to get. It's a spirit-empowered action whereby we choose to walk resting. Walk resting in what? Third one. Walk resting in the what? Promises the and the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice our trusting is an object. Our trusting is in a substance. It's in a source. There's many people who today want to say that trusting God or faith is me stepping. I'm going to step here and I know that something's going to catch me. There's nothing there. We don't see anything. And, 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 and there's no evidence that anything's there. But I, I can walk all the way over to him levitating over the ground. And that's their idea of trust. Even though they don't see any substance, that's called stupidity. Okay. No, we rest in a substance. That substance is the promises of God's word, the precepts or the commandments of God's word and the person of our God. Amen. 
We have a substance. It's God. The three parts I bring out, the promises, his person and precepts, is because it depends on this trial. It depends on the circumstance. There are times when we have to trust now for a future reality. Well, then you're going to learn. You're going to lean on the promises. God promises. When I was in Uganda, I, we had lost everything. The person we had partnered with was corrupt. And, and I'm sitting in there in Uganda, and I don't know what the future holds. But I do have promises I can rest in. And I have the person of God that I can rest in. Josh, his family, where do they run to? They don't know that he will be healed. They don't know that. But they can rest in the God in whom has delivered many in times past. Amen? They can't run to a passage. But they can run to the person of their God. Who's shown faithful all throughout generations notice it's not in the preacher that we trust in his personal revelation or in his inward wishes but in the revealed content and character of god god at times god calls us to trust in our present adherence to the king's clearly authoritative commands you don't know who to marry. Well, the Bible says, fear God, someone who fears God and walks in his ways. That's clearly revealed. So you walk resting in it. There's times you're like, what college do I go to? I don't know. Well, you look at the word of God. Then you look at the promises of God. And you look at the person of God. And you walk resting in these things. At times, God calls us to trust waiting in future promises that are to come. Or at times he calls us to trust in the unknown based on the known character of God. We may not know what our future holds, but we know that God holds our future. Amen? Amen? This leads us to the fourth aspect of this definition. And the fourth aspect of this definition is in who God is. We trust in the person, precepts and person of our, what? Tell me. Loving, sovereign, all wise, and Lord Jesus Christ. The fourth aspect is we rest in God who is sovereign. Listen, that is the one who is actively reigning on his throne over every detail of our lives. Listen, oh dear friends, we must live with one eye on the eternal, one eye on the king over the throne. You see, most of our problems, most of our stress, most of our worries is because we live right in this world, not realizing there's something greater Many parents, they're, they're so worried about their kids not knowing that God holds their future. And God is working things in a heavenly way. And, and, and the, the goal is to get our eyes off of here and on to here. To get ourselves on the sovereign God who's over the universe. You see, this tells us that there is a king who's reigning on his throne. The story is about God. We're to live with our presence and our mindset on his sovereignty. The activities of him reigning on that throne, working out every detail and event in this universe. Do we believe that to be true? Not only that, but our trust is in a God who is wise. A God who is wise and knows what is best for us. A God who, who, who is sovereign over every element. Regardless of the times of mysterious appearance, everything in our God does not, happens as a result of his sovereign hand. Is done out of the, and done out of the nature of his love and goodness. That's what our Bible says. We are not trusting in a fickle mortal. 
but we're trusting in a faithful ruler. Amen? Amen? We are not trusting in a weak creation, but in a mighty creator. We are not trusting in an unsure human, but in an unshakable God. And this God that we trust is is over our circumstances. And he needs to be on the forefront of our minds. He needs to be the person in which we rest in. We don't, who doesn't leave us. He doesn't leave our affairs, but he's right in them with us. Right there with us. Friends, invite God into the forefront of your minds, into the forefront of your problems. My daughter goes to finishes college this year. Well, what does the future hold? I don't know, but God knows. And keep our head in the heavenlies that we can find the peace that God would want. One story helps us understand this. There's a man by the name of Oliver Cromwell, and he had a secretary who he sent out to carry out some of his business on his behalf. Well, you can imagine this would be a scary thing for someone to go and carry out the details of Oliver Cromwell, right? Powerful man. So according to this custom, this man was extremely afraid Afraid so much that he went and be, the, the night before he was to carry out his business, he was tossing and turning in his bed and unable to sleep. According to the story, a servant was sleeping in his room. And on this occasion, he was sleeping soundly until he was awakened by this secretary. The servant asked, how is it, my master, that you cannot rest? And he said... I'm afraid something will go wrong with the business I'm to carry out. Master, said the servant, may I ask you a few questions? The secretary said, sure. And he says this, God, did God rule the world before you were born? Most assuredly, he did. Did he rule the the world? Will he rule it after you're dead? He says, well, certainly. Then the master said, why not let him rule the present too? And it says that the secretary's faith was stirred, peace was resulted, and they both slept soundly. Here, friends, bring God into your world. Don't leave him out. Invite him in that you might find rest for your souls. Amen? The fifth part of this definition is this. Is that we are to trust him whether or not we feel his presence, whether we understand his ways, or whether we agree with his perspective. Stated differently, our trust in God is not based on ourselves but supported in the surety of his person. Therefore, if we cannot feel God, we are to trust him. Don't lean on your feelings or your own understanding, but rest in him. If, if, if from our perspective, the circumstances seem unjust or sour, we don't lean on our wisdom, but on his goodness and love. We believe What this poem says, that thus far, far better to let him choose the way in which we should take. If only we leave our lives to him, he will guide without mistake. We in our blindness would never choose a pathway dark and rough. And so we should ever find in him the God who is enough. Listen, I understand that life is so hard. I told the youth today, as I was exhorting them to be like Enoch and walk with God, I was telling them, listen, life is hard. If you're going to learn anything in life, it's hard. But you have a God who cares. And a God who wants you to learn to walk and to rest. 
We understand that although there are many aspects we can't comprehend, we know that our eternal Father is wiser than us. We know that our incomprehensible Master's ways are higher than ours. We know that our omnipresent caretaker knows our every need. And it's He who declares the words of Matthew 6.30 that says, But if God so clothed the grass of this field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into a furnace, how much more will He clothe what? You. He says in verse 34, For our heavenly Father, listen, knows all that you need. Jesus Christ himself is saying, listen, don't rest on what you're seeing, but rest in this Father who cares. That's why we can turn our Bibles to Psalm 23, and we can hear the words, our Father That our Father is a good shepherd and therefore we what? Shall not want. We shall not want. He makes us lie down. He leads us. He restores us. And that even though we walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, we need not fear for what? He is with us. And He promises that surely goodness and loving kindness will what? Follow us. All the days of our lives. Therefore, despite the circumstances, we resolve in our hearts, listen, to turn our eyes upon Jesus. To look full in His wonderful, and the things of earth grow what? Strangely dim in light of His glory and grace. The sixth aspect is this, that we're to trust God both in times of blessing or adversity in major or minor circumstances. Our faith is to stand both in times of blessing and adversity, no matter the big, how big or how small the situation. There's nothing, no story that demonstrates this truth more than the story of Mr. Spafford Horatio. This man was a successful lawyer, a businessman in Chicago with a loving family, a wife named Anne and five children. However, they were not strangers to tears and tragedy. Their young son died of pneumonia in 1871. And that same year, much of their business was lost in the great Chicago fire. Yet God, in His mercy and kindness, allowed the business to flourish once more. And on November 21st, 1873, a French ocean liner was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers were Mrs. Spafford and their four daughters. Although Mr. Spafford had planned to go with the family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve unexpected business problems. He told his wife he would join her and their children in Europe a few days later. His plan was to take another ship. And after four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, their boat collided with a powerful, iron-hulled Scottish ship. Suddenly, all those on board were in grave danger. Anne hurriedly brought her four children to the deck. She kneeled there with her four children and prayed God would spare them if that could be his will, or make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. With approximately 12 minutes, they slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic 
carrying with it 226 passengers, including the four Spafford children. A sailor rolling a small boat over the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating onto a piece of wreckage. It was Anne, still alive. He pulled her into her boat, and they picked up by another large vessel, with nine, which nine days later landed in Wales. From there, she wired her husband a message, which began, Saved alone. What shall I do? Mr. Spafford later framed that telegram and placed that in his office. Another of the survivors, ship survivors, Pastor Wes, later called Anne, later recalled Anne saying, God, give me four daughters. God gave me four daughters. Now they've been taken from me. Someday I will understand. Mr. Spafford booked passage on the next available ship and joined his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Spafford to his captain and told him they were over the place where the children went down. According to Bertha Spafford, a daughter born after the tragedy, Spafford wrote, while on this journey, these famous words, when peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Friends, trusting God is walking and resting in God no matter the circumstance. And listen, Tragedy is part of life, and I can't even begin to understand some of the tragedies that people have. But in the midst of those tragedies, the joy is you are not alone. What do you do? You have a choice in the midst of that tragedy to rest in the God who saved you and who loves you. Or to rest in your own circumstances. My daughter can trust in that there is no God, and it leads her to despair. Or she can trust in the fact that God is sovereignly over the control of his life, leading and helping her, even though she doesn't understand the results. And let me tell you, when you see the, 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 the story of our videos showing all that's there, listen, we were for three years not knowing where God was taking us, but knowing that God was present. We are no different then. Joseph, who was in a pit and who was in a jail cell, God is sovereignly working for his purposes. He didn't know that God wanted to save all of his brothers and sisters. He didn't know that, but God did. And God made a man in those trials. Trusting God is walking and resting in God no matter the circumstance. And the last aspect is because The seventh aspect is because we know or we believe he does all things for our good and to his glory. My dear friends, listen. Life is hard. And when we come to this book, we realize that we have a God who's on a throne. And he is over that, over this universe, working all things. Listen, Romans 8, 28, we know it in 29. For God works all things, what? Together for what? For good. To what? Those who love him and those who are called according to his purposes. I don't know what your past has been. Maybe it's involved heartache. Maybe it's involved pain. Just this last Friday, I went and visited a friend who had hurt me in many ways. 
And I could look at him and I could take all of the ways he hurt me and I just said to him, listen, I came here because I love you. And you know what? I can put all of that in God's sovereignty and know that he was working good. And I can look at you in the face and say that I love you. And I want to continue a friendship where I love you as my brother. Because we don't need to look at the past and see tragedy. We need to see God's sovereignty. And all the forgiveness can come with it, can it not? Because God allows the past for our good if we love him. He is on that throne working all things for our good and for his glory. Oh, my dear friends, if there's any word that I would want you to take home this evening or whatever time we're at right now, morning, this evening in Uganda, it would be this. Pull your mind above your present circumstances and put your eyes on the God who's on his throne. Sing in your own heart to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. As I close, understand this. This message is a message I gave to Africans who are living in a mud hut who don't necessarily know where their food or school fees are coming from but you know what God is lovingly taking care of them and sometimes we don't realize how good and glorious God has been to us You have a beautiful home, beautiful cars you came. They don't have a car. They don't even have a bicycle, many of them. But you know what? God is still lovingly caring for them. And often they are more happy than we are because they see God's hand providing. Turn your eyes upon God and see his sovereign workings.